I think it's important for hoteliers to get your operations, get your house in order, help your employees be able to deliver good hospitality. At the same time, keep your ear to the ground about your guest who is changing and evolving consistently, but will help you narrow in where it is that you should focus on improving the experience so that you can continue to be successful. Welcome to the second season of The Modern Hotelier, the fastest growing hospitality podcast. Both hosts were named top 100 most powerful people in hospitality and voted fourth most popular podcast by the International Hospitality Institute. Each episode will get to know an industry expert and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, The Modern Hotelier. Welcome to The Modern Hotelier. I'm your host, David Malili. I'm your co-host, Steve Karen. And I'm the producer, John Boomhofer. This episode is sponsored by Stay Pineapple. Stay Pineapple is a brand of -of out-of-the-ordinary hotels in the most desirable city center locations. Whether you're in New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, Seattle, Portland, or San Diego, the Stay Pineapple experience means you will be smack dab in the middle of where you want to be, wherever you go. Aside from its great downtown locations, Stay Pineapple also offers a signature amenity called the Naked Experience. What is the Naked Experience? It's a cozy, fresh, cuddly, luxurious, sleep so well you don't remember at night. The Naked Experience features big thirsty towels, cozy robes, and cloud-like European double duvets that will leave you feeling blissfully rested. Stay Pineapple guests often proclaim it's like sleeping on a cloud. So the next time you're making travel plans, go ahead and choose to fall in sleep with Stay Pineapple. Steve, who do we have on the program today? Yeah, David, today we have on Jackie Nunley. Jackie is an experienced world traveler that has spent more than 20 years in the technology industry. She's held leadership positions in the strategy, product management, revenue management, and online distribution with many of the leading global hotel software providers. Currently, Jackie's a travel and hospitality industry advisor at Salesforce, where she lends her industry expertise to help deliver the next generation of hospitality solutions and strategies. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you so much. So, Jackie, we're going to go through three sections. We're going to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to get into your career, and then we're going to talk about the industry. Sound good? All right. Okay. So, what was the worst job you ever had? Oh, my gosh. I don't want to say there have been too many, but um, maybe uh, very early in my career, this was, you know, school jobs and that sort of thing. I worked at an interior design company that specialized in keep house furniture. And without a doubt, that was probably the worst job. And I was terrible. It was a terrible fit because of the uh, inter-office dynamics. They were nothing short of a nightmare. The team, instead of working collaboratively, they often found themselves in competition and trying to outshine each other for approval from, you know, the various supervisors. So the office was kind of like a maze of ego clashes and it just made it impossible to feel any sort of sense of camaraderie. So that was probably the worst. I think I was there about three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Are you a morning or a night person? Oh, I'm both. Anyone who knows me knows that I do not like to sleep. I don't like sleeping. All right. So if you could delete all the apps from your phone, except for three, 
what three apps are you going to keep on your phone? Oh, wow. Three apps. Okay. FaceTime, Insight Timer, and Spark for email. What's the most used emoji for you? What do you use the most? For me? Oh, well, you just have to look at my LinkedIn posts for that. I think that <laughs> I probably, maybe it's a tie between the, you know, dying of laughter one and the <laughs> red heart. Got it. Do you have a favorite singer or band? David, I live in Austin. It's got to pick one. Narrow down just one. I listen to all sorts of genres. But what I do is probably the best way to answer this is, you know, who do I revive and just really get into? So right now I am listening to the revival of an artist called Michelle Dege Ocello from the early 90s, very interesting artist. And yeah, I'm enjoying that bit of revival right now. So since you brought in Austin, it's your last night in Austin, you're moving, what restaurant do you go to? Oh, that one's so easy. There is an incredible restaurant here called Olame. It is Southern comfort food and by far just exceeds every expectation I have for a good meal and a good environment. So you have your own talk show. Who's the first guest you have on? Oh, dead or alive? Pick. You can choose. Well, alive, probably Bazoma St. John. She's just an incredible, incredible woman who is just a marketing genius. A lot of people say that, you know, we wouldn't know Pepsi or Apple or Uber if it wasn't for her. And she's been, you know, kind of like heralded as a change agent. She's also a Hall of Fame inducted marketing executive. And I think recently an author, I haven't read her latest book, but I am dying to just an incredible force in nature. So now you have a time machine, you can go to the future or the past, which way are you going? And what year are you going to? I'm going to the future and probably 2023. Sorry, 2323. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's do 300 years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that anything that we have tried to predict will probably be different. So I believe that maybe humanity and our goals will be profoundly different. And probably, you know, beyond our imagination that we have now. But that's what's so interesting about that. Absolutely. That was great. So now we'll get to learn a little bit more about your backstory, what makes you tick, things like that. So you went to an all-girls high school in, I hope I'm saying this right, Nairobi, Kenya? That's right. Is that where you grew up? Yes, that is where I grew up. I went to a all-girls Irish Catholic school. Yeah, that was an interesting time, that period of, of time. But that's where I grew up. If you know anything about Kenya, it's probably the reason why I kind of went into this field, because Kenya is so big on tourism and travel. So that's kind of how Kenya shaped you, was that really got the passion about the travel industry and hospitality? Well, I, I think considering that I, you know, grew up there, I, I couldn't help it. 
So it's just known for its dedication and celebration of, you know, tourism and travel. So I think the foundation was my family's affinity for travel. But I believe that my, you know, love for meeting new people, seeing new places, and then art as well in the various interesting places and that the pieces kind of come from all played a part And I think lastly, you know, it's my obsession with technology and bringing those all together for me is kind of what built the interest and desire to see the world. So it also kind of influenced how I've dedicated my career to making it easier to travel using technology. So you got your bachelor's in computer science at University of Nairobi. Yes. What led you to computer science? Just tinkering. You know, my father was very into the arts. My mother was very into the sciences. So it's really a combination of both. I mean, think about it. We're consistently creating, right? Even now, here we are. We're not only creating content, but we're creating ideas for our industry. And the catalyst is talking about technology. It's how things work together. As, you know, I've gotten older, I've realized that everything's pretty much connected and you could start in a completely different field and end up in, you know, a completely different one, but use the principles and the values that actually come from what you've learned. I think intelligence is about your ability to apply what you have learned to what it is that you are doing. Any funny stories or organizations that you were involved with at university you care to share? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Meaning I I don't really, I didn't really get into being part of a lot of organizations. I think that came later in life where, you know, community tends to be extremely important to reduce the burden of figuring it out, you know, yourself. And seeking the right sort of communities should be able to inspire you. It should also be able to support a common goal, so to speak. Otherwise, you know, I think that organizations can become a little bit cultish. And that's what we (laughs) should be trying to avoid. It's like, do your checks and balances, do they really align with where it is that you're trying to go? Absolutely. And you have traveled all over the world. Is there a favorite place that you've traveled or maybe a favorite art piece or favorite food you've had while traveling? All three uh, lead to one place. Beautiful. So um, when you travel so much, I mean, home holds a very special place for you. But the one place that really had the most significance for me and always does when I return is the island of Zanzibar. Okay. Zanzibar's got some really great history. The people are incredibly kind and friendly. And it actually leads to that favorite, you know, meal that I once had. And it was very interesting because the restaurant just had two tables and it was in somebody's home. So you're led through the living room where the kids are sitting watching telly and cartoons and uh, you're taken upstairs onto this, this terrace and it was, you know, the mother of the house who cooked. 
So basically, you had a home-cooked meal on these two tables on the terrace. And it was the most incredible oh experience and the best food ever. I believe it. Is that like an actual restaurant or was that kind of some insider information you got? Well, at the time when I first discovered it, it was insider information. And I was I was in Zanzibar with a friend of mine. So it was like a workcation. I went to Zanzibar for work and then took a few days to kind of get to know the island. So this was, you know, it's very similar to Austin. We have our secret places that the locals know. And one of the locals, you know, kind of made the reservation and said, this is going to blow your mind. But I do believe it became quite well known later. Awesome. So now we'll get into your career a little bit. So after college, you worked in Dubai for a few years, and then you came to the U.S. and worked at Cisco, Micros, and Sabre on the product side. What got you really interested in not only the tech space, but the tech space in hospitality? So um, my, my career actually started in hardware with you know Cisco Systems and, uh, and 3Com. So I was in a marketing role at 3Com, and that exposed me to the world of distribution and how distribution actually worked at the time. Working for Cisco was more gathering the skill set around sales. So I worked in support of a sales organization that sold hardware, but it kind of came to me that hardware wasn't really going anywhere. It would always be hardware. And this was the verge of the internet. Things were happening online. I was tinkering on my own. I was learning professionally as well. And that's what really got me into software because it's malleable. It's always changing. It's always evolving. And the more creative you are, the more incredible things you can actually create. So it was kind of like a, a natural progression from hardware to software. The way that it was connected with travel and hospitality especially was the fact that I was traveling. And it was really difficult. There are all sorts of impediments that you kind of go through to want to have to or to have to travel to a place. So I believe that travel doesn't really start with, you know, oh, just imagining a place and making a reservation. No, it's all the checks and balances that you have to do. It's do you need a visa? Do you have the right currency? What are the rules in the country? What should you be aware of, not aware of, etc.? So that is really what kind of got me into the whole travel and hospitality space. It was trying to make it easier for me to travel selfishly, but then I wanted to help others do the same. So, you know, you and I have had lots of conversations. I'm really very clear about where my passion lies. It's really about Aunt Susan getting to her grandkids for Thanksgiving. That is what drives me in this space. And that's the reason why I've completely fallen in love with this industry and continue to try and, you know, be as helpful as I possibly can. I love that. I love that. So when you came to the U.S. I know you did a lot of travel, but was there a culture shock? Was there kind of some getting used to when with yeah. moving here? Oh yeah, totally. 
What was the biggest kind of culture shock or kind of the biggest thing to get used to? First of all, this country is so big. So it's like 10 different countries. It's not, you know, just one country. And I had rules as well. I was like, well, everywhere that I go, I want to be able to stand still for a few minutes and get to know the people and the region. So it, it fluctuated between two and five years in a place and then, you know, travel the region. And it's very interesting. You know, I started on the East Coast and did the East Coast. And then now I am in the middle and I'm doing all the middle. And the next step is to do the West Coast and, you know, kind of like do all of that. I think maybe the 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 most significant culture shock is just how people are different on the East versus the middle versus the West. It's completely different in in culture in the way uh in food in in uh how even the way people express themselves and i think that you know i've had to adjust as i've gone along i found people on the east coast really tend to correct me when i say words like you know I'll be waiting for you at the lift. Do you mean elevator? (laughs) And a lot of those nuances. So the East Coast tends to to kind of like be very astute when it comes to speaking properly. The middle right now is like what you see is what you get. And I love that. There's very little pretending in the middle, it's everybody's super genuine and authentic. And it's kind of interesting how my journey has taken on a lot of that, you know, to be able to bring authenticity and kind of like what you see is what you get and let's get real and let's really like solve problems when it comes to to things that we're trying to evolve with the hospitality industry. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to call David up and maybe get some pointers on on the West as I move there. Yeah, no, very well said. I mean, that's the biggest, when I talk to people from outside the States, especially, and we won't get into it, but politics, they don't really understand how different exactly what you said, the Northeast, about the Southeast, Central, West Coast, people don't get that. So very well said. So from Duetto, you've been at Salesforce since 2018. Tell us what you're focused on at Salesforce right now. So at Salesforce, my role has kind of like evolved as well. So I joined Salesforce in 2018 as a part of a go-to-market team for travel and hospitality. And what was really interesting about how Salesforce put this group together, we had resources from all different areas to truly try and reimagine what travel and hospitality really looked like. And I thought that was brilliant. So my role kind of evolved into an industry advisor as there were different shifts. Salesforce, if there's anything about Salesforce, you can you know, depend on its change. And I like the way that they evolve into addressing what problems actually exist, but making those shifts and changes within the organization to support that. So I work as a industry advisor for travel and hospitality 
supporting our sales teams with regards to their opportunities. I do spend a lot of time in research, bringing you know the trends and the relevant information to our internal organizations, providing guidance when it comes to you know, strategies that we might be working on with our customers and also bringing that message to the industry of what Salesforce is doing in travel and hospitality and how this absolutely crucial part of the engagement layer is really how to evolve where we were and get on the train of where we're going. Right, so maybe could you, Dive into that a little bit deeper. So Salesforce, hospitality, the next few years, where's the focus and what really are are you along with Salesforce as a company going to be focused on? Well, I think that, you know, the focus for every single industry right now is really how to harness the power of technology when it comes to what the world is going to look like in a few years. I mean, if you really look at data and AI being the catalyst for that change and affecting every single industry, I think it's still early. However, there are opportunities to be able to pivot and evolve business as a whole. So the way that I see... um, Salesforce moving uh, the dial on travel and hospitality is is through that lens. It's really about how do we help our customers be successful within their business and continue to evolve with the technology that we not only have available, but the solutions that we have available and the solutions that we're going to start to create in the future. Right now, everything is generative AI. But honestly, if you think about it, generative AI really solves the problems around some of the users when you look at the use cases. But it's really about how do you help the operation? And I think that is really where we're focused. We have to help businesses move in a way that is adaptable for them so that they can actually provide what we term as, you know, hospitality in the future. So that's what, where I'm kind of focused now. Is there anybody who's standing still right now? I think we're all like being very malleable with regards to where it is that we're going to focus and then move. Absolutely. Absolutely. And man, you led into this next segment. Perfect. We're going to talk about industry trends now. And you and I have had many conversations about AI and kind of where it's going and where we see it going. But, you know, what I, how is AI, do you think, going to help the hospitality industry as a whole? As a whole? Yeah. That's a big question. That's a big question. (laughs) That's a a really big question. But I think that it's, It's really important to strike a balance. So when we're talking about how it's going to help as a whole, there's several areas that we have to look at as we are designing how AI and data actually fit into hospitality. So I think that number one, you know, is transparency and trust. Being able to make the right decisions about what systems you are using 
that are very serious about the trust and privacy of, you know, not just hotel data, but customer data is crucial. And then, you know, hotels using AI should be upfront about the data that they're using, how they collect it, and what they do with it. I also think that, you know, AI as a whole should be designed with human-centric principles in mind. So instead of, if you thought of an example, let's just talk maybe outside of both of our realms, but if you thought about a hotel room, right, and you walk into a hotel room and it's designed to automatically adjust the temperature, the lights, etc., you know, in a human-centric kind of thought process, that's great that you have the capability to adjust all the settings based on the guest's data, right? But it might simply be a little bit better or ease consumers into it by suggesting those settings and awaiting approval. That way, you know, guests are going to be able to feel like they are in control. So I think it's about a balance. How do we introduce AI as a whole? It really is about a balance and there's several areas. It starts with trust. It moves with assessments, feedback loops, gathering, you know, feedback from not just guests, but also staff and operations, and then being able to assess what works or have the evidence of what works and then move forward and move forward in that human centric way, because that's a really important component of, you know, our industry. Agree hundred percent. And we don't give out the questions ahead of time, but I think they must have leaked because you, you pretty much know all of our questions before we get to the next oh one. My but anyway. God. <laughs> so <laughs> and, and, and that is not, that is not planned right there. That's yeah. <laughs> so AI is, you know, every, that's the buzz. Everyone's talking about AI from probably our parents to our kids to our colleagues. But data as well has always been something, you know, that we've talked about as an industry and how do you do a better job of utilizing it. So how do you think AI and data go hand in hand? You gave a little bit of a taste in the previous answer, but how, how do you think those two go hand in hand? Oh, my gosh. David, they are they are joined at the hip so to speak, um, one does not exist without the other. If we look at the basics, even now with, you know, everybody getting on the bike with ChatGPT, it's not so much what ChatGPT spits out. It's really about what's the data that you are asking it to look at to provide you with a answer. So the right questions, and I keep telling everybody, it's about the right questions that are going to give you the right outcome and being very thoughtful and specific about that. So that's just on the consumer side. When you look at the relationship between data and AI in hospitality, we have been collecting data for the longest time. If you look at you know loyalty programs, and of course, I'm going to say this with consent, you know, collecting data with consent in loyalty programs or in just guest preferences. The most important thing is that we've already taken the steps to enrich that data 
And we've used the technology that we had all along to be able to action that data. But the question now arises around what are you doing with that data that's actually meaningful to the guest or the traveler, so to speak? So for years and years and years, Steve, I'm sure that you've experienced this and David too. It's, okay, great. You know that I like foam pillows. And it's really about what are you doing that is meaningful with that data? And now all of a sudden, you actually have the tool that's going to allow you to be able to do more with that data. And doing more is really enhancing the data that you have to create the experiences that you want for the guest or the traveler. The second area is how has that data actually helped your organization? And is that data accessible to the right people and departments in a way that actually allows them to be more effective, more productive, with what it is that you've tasked them to do, especially with this, you know, whole labor shortage that we have. Goodness, you know, I've spoken to so many people who work in our industry who are burnt out, really tired. They've taken two or three jobs, you know, within their own job. And this is still happening. We can't ignore that. It's still happening. When it comes to, you know, this is one of my favorite examples, when it comes to service, especially. When you look at service, the rise of conversational AI, and then the lack of service, customer service agents being available and balancing all of that. Can you imagine a world where a conversational AI is able not just to look at a guest's data and past interactions, but do it with such precision and speed that it really does lean into improving the guest who is calling in, which in some areas we call high touch, but the guest who is calling in to have a problem solved or get a question answered. That is incredible because you think about all the interactions that you have today with service and it's usually you call into a 1-800 number, whatever vendor, but you've got this, press one for this, press two for this, press three for this, and then you're on hold. And by the time the agent comes onto the phone, you're extremely frustrated. And then the agent starts to ask you all of the verifying questions to verify that it is you. And by the time you get to your problem, if you're not screaming or you're not frustrated and you know you keep saying it's not your fault, but I'm so angry about having to go through this process and I've been on the phone for 20 minutes when it should have just been two minutes or a minute. That is where I see the power of data and AI working so well together. It's really all about improving the customer's experience and really alleviating you know, some of the strain that has been taken by these agents because of the systems that have been put in place 
that have really marred the experience to get a checkbox checked. So this is a really good example of how data and AI will really work for hospitality, not just now, but in the future as we continue to create these solutions. Absolutely. And like right now with data, right? It's your email address, your phone number, your location, right? As technology advances and as more people start using headsets, do you think that data is going to change into, you know, not only personal information, but attention spans, what you're looking at and things like that? So are we going to see this transition happen or do you think it's always going to kind of be how it is today? We're definitely going to see a transition happen. Yeah. One of the things that I, um, that keeps me very secure when I sleep at night is the fact that I can always count on the fact that things are going to change. I really truly believe that we are at the beginning. This is the advent of a completely different era of how we interact with technology, how we use technology, and how technology actually continues to evolve. So without going into the area where AI becomes, you know, a sentient being, that's not really the purpose that we want to, you know, kind of like push AI into, into doing those sort of things. But how can we look at the data that AI uses in a way that is going to help us build strategies with a clear vision of what we want hospitality to be in the future. Being very intentional about where AI fits and where it doesn't. Being incredibly focused on how can we be catalysts of AI becoming more contextually aware and adaptive that does not replace the human touch, but just free hospitality professionals from mundane tasks, allow them to focus on building those deeper relationships with guests so that the future is not about AI versus humans. It's about AI, data, and humans working together to offer unprecedented levels of service you know, in personalization, in hospitality. Yeah. So again, you've kind of <laughs> jumped ahead, but I'm going to, I'm going to work with it. So what would you, so yeah, I've been at this a long time and in the past it was just hoteliers, ownership groups, management companies being slow to adopt new technology. Then it became this, oh, the technology is going to change the guest experience and take away. We're hoteliers. We can't, you know, use a kiosk. We can't do that. What would you say to a hotelier, an ownership, an owner, a, a GM, someone who is hesitant to embrace technology or AI at this point to help their hotel? What would I say? Well, the first thing that I would ask is where's the pain? Because maybe you don't need it, right? So assessment is is incredibly important. So where's the pain is the most important thing to be able to identify areas that could be improved and the ability to be able to, you know, especially to somebody who's a little bit skeptical, start slow, you know, start with something where there is a definite impact to your business. Start there and 
assessment, again, feedback loops, and a consistent way of being able to measure how that is affecting your business, whatever solution you're implementing is affecting your business is probably the best way to start. That is one track. The other track is what are your customers saying? This is the most important area to be able to balance the two because I have conversations with customers every single day and we're talking about trends here. And they ask me, you know, what is happening with, you know, guests and travelers out there? So it's really important to look at that lens as well. And it's like, who are you trying to get into your hotel? It's not just about hotel, you know, heads and beds. It's really about who are you trying to attract to your brand and retain for your brand. So have you recently kind of had the gauntlet come down and you're focused on sustainability? Okay, Do you understand that the feeder markets for those sustainable guests who are going to pay more for your services and your, you know, brand and what your brand is offering have changed? They've gone elsewhere. So are you connected to those channels and how are you communicating with these new type of travelers and ushering them into, you know, interacting with your brand in a meaningful way? You've got to look at both sides. I think it's important for hoteliers to get your operations, get your house in order. That's number one. Help your employees be able to deliver good hospitality. At the same time, keep your ear to the ground about your guest who is changing and evolving consistently, but will help you kind of narrow in where it is that you should focus on improving the experience so that you can continue to be successful. I love that. I love that. So what is, last question here um, for this part, but what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody that's looking to either enter the hospitality space or the hospitality technology space? Gosh, wow. I think that what's piqued my interest is, real estate reuse. I think that's a really interesting area of development. And if I could bend someone's ear about, okay, if you're getting into hospitality, definitely look in this area. I think it aligns with one, how people want to work meaning you want to be associated with a brand that brings something incredibly special, not necessarily in a big way, but in a very personal and, uh, you know, authentic way. I think there's a lot of interest in people wanting to work for brands and companies like that. It doesn't have to be small. It can be big. I mean, we have an incredible culture here at Salesforce, even though we're such a large company. But when you're looking at hospitality, I think that would be an important aspect, reuse, just because you can be so creative and uh, bring something new and fresh to the table. So it's the way people want to work, but it's also the way people want to travel. 
Um, point back to something that somebody said to me very recently when I was on a work trip. And uh, we had just been in this forum for talking about data and AI. We invited a bunch of people to come in and kind of just have an interactive session with some of our leaders at Salesforce. And it was a women-driven event. It was incredible. And it really enhanced how we should be talking about this subject. But this woman said to me, you know, with COVID a few years ago, it's in our rearview mirror, COVID changed the way we work. With AI coming into the fold and looking at how consumers react to both of those things, you know, crises and technology, if COVID changed the way we work, then shouldn't the way we travel change as well? So it's married together and we didn't have the right tools then, but we do now. So bringing it all together, I would really recommend looking in that area. I think it's where hoteliers can be most creative, but it also aligns with how consumers have changed and how they want to travel. Absolutely. Sorry, a little long-winded there. That's all right. I, <laughs> got to, I got the point eventually. Yeah, no, that was a good answer. That was a good answer. So that's great. So John, our producer, has been listening this whole time. So he's got one last question for you before oh, we go. Okay. So at the very top, you said you've de- dedicated your career to make it, making it easier to travel using technology. At this point in your career, what is your favorite technology like implementation or development that you think has achieved that goal of making it easier to travel using technology? Such a loaded question. I think the way that online distribution has evolved is the foundation of making it easier to travel. With that, there is a, gosh, it's just like an endless well of tools and solutions that came into being with online distribution. So whether it's, you know, the evolving of booking engines in this age of AI, I am incredibly excited to see what's going to come out of this era of conversational AI within booking engines to help us imagine where we want to go execute on the transactions that we have to make and then provide guidance with regards to where we should go, what we should see, how long it'll take, what mode of transportation we need. I think that that is probably what excites me the most. So it's not quite answering your question because there's bits that haven't happened but it's the road to those bits. I think that really is the icing on the cake. It started with a foundation. It's moving into where it should be. And yeah, I can't wait. So that does it for another episode of The Modern Hotelier. So this is the part, Jackie, where you get to tell us how people can connect with you, how they can work with Salesforce, plug away. You can always connect with me on the various industry channels and, of course, you know, the uh, events. Otherwise, you know, Salesforce has a wealth of information on our website. 
So whether you are looking to get certified, whether you're looking for solutions, whether you are looking just to get informed, you know, visit salesforce.com and start learning how we really help our customers in every single industry hone in and be successful with engaging with their customers. That does it for another episode of the Modern Hotel. We really enjoyed having you, Jackie, and we look forward to seeing everybody very soon. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thanks, Jackie. This episode is sponsored by Stay Pineapple. Stay Pineapple is a brand of -of out-of-the-ordinary hotels in the most desirable city center locations. Whether you're in New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, Seattle, Portland, or San Diego, the Stay Pineapple experience means you will be smack dab in the middle of where you want to be, wherever you go. Aside from its great downtown locations, Stay Pineapple also offers a signature amenity called the Naked Experience. What is the Naked Experience? It's a cozy, fresh, cuddly, luxurious, sleep so well you don't remember at night. The Naked Experience features big thirsty towels, cozy robes, and cloud-like European double duvets that will leave you feeling blissfully rested. Stay Pineapple guests often proclaim it's like sleeping on a cloud. So the next time you're making travel plans, go ahead and choose to fall in sleep with Stay Pineapple. You made it to the end of The Modern Hotelier. Thanks for listening. The Modern Hotelier is produced by Make More Media. Make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you know of a guest or sponsor that would be a good fit, feel free to email us at hello at themodernhotelier.com. Thanks and have a great day.